Howdy, y'all. This is Rhett Miller, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here, back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, I'm calling this uh, episode, which is episode 201. Of course, you know, we just crossed that uh, 200 uh, threshold. What did I call that? Triple anniversary episode. My birthday was yesterday. I think I get my Shoppers Drug Mart uh, senior discount back. Um, it's funny. Uh, they, they had it at 55 and they, and they raised it. I, I think they raised it back to 60 or whatever, but I am 60 now. So, uh, I should, uh, I should be getting that back next Thursday that I'm uh, in there. How sad is that? Eh? Um, so yeah, the birthday was yesterday and thank you, uh, everybody on the Facebook page for, uh, all your birthday wishes. Um, I also want to thank William Walker and Tim Derling for some uh, some good choice examples for this episode. Uh, this is an episode that uh, I guess I haven't said what it's called yet. I'm calling it Asterisk Albums. That's really hard to say for me because uh, I grew up in elementary school reading those Asterix uh, comic books of the, uh, you know, the Vikings, uh, you know, the nice swap comic books basically right um and uh, I, I spent i think most of my whole life thinking that's how you were supposed to spell this but no it is asterisk a-s-t-r-i-s-k and the whole concept here is uh those albums that put you in a bad mood because you always have to qualify them you know how we do all these um you know, uh, ranking shows and whatnot on Guitar Hack and our channel, Contrarians. I want to welcome Grant uh, to the fold. Uh, so uh, there's there's three bosses at this point, uh, myself, Marco, and Grant. So uh, yeah, he's doing some really cool things. Um, but yes, uh, we do all these shows. Uh, I go on guest shows or whatever. I do the ranking things on Goldmine. Um, and you always have these albums that put you in a bad mood because you don't know whether to include them or not. You always got to messenger the guys and say, hey, which ones do we include? Do we put this in? Um, you know, these are all those ones that are right on the edge of being a proper album. Now, you know, when we do these things, we don't include live albums. That's kind of a given. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's all these, these nebulous studio albums for some reason or another that you're always wondering about and you're always putting them in a bad mood so they get a star by them because something's wrong with them just like a sports record where there was uh, possibly some steroids involved or something like that right um, so yeah, they, in, in the sports parlance, uh, you know, they, they said, we're going to put an asterisk by your name, right? Uh, for that record. And these, and these records, uh, are all sort of like that. Um, and they're going to fall in a bunch of categories and there's a lot of honorable mention categories because it is messy, right? This is a messy category. Um, so let's get right into it. I'm sure we'll cover off most of these things that drive you nuts about these uh, artists and their messy catalogs. Take a listen to this. This is Kim Mitchell with Time to Stay. If you want to resolve this some way, younger days you'd have walked away, you'll live on, love another, if you run 
Okay, so this is the one that started off the whole discussion. I don't know, Tim Tim Derling and I were talking about some other stuff, and I remember uh, Loverboy came into that discussion. We were talking about, uh, boy, they sold a lot of albums. But yeah, we were talking about Kim Mitchell, and I was saying, man, that, that last album really ticked me off. Um, and the reason is, okay, so he put out this album called The Big Fantasize, right? in 2020 the idea with this album is he's you know he's following up a perfectly normal good album in in uh, ain't life amazing um with this with this album that is uh an album it's a full band he's got his electric guitar turned on here and there there's drums there's cymbals and everything but every single song on it is mellow in one way or another it's either folky or there's one in there called my georgian bay which is a little little feet like um there's that probably the most up-tempo one on there is called two up to be down but even that is not that rocky so there's there's all manner of pop and easy listening and roots rock and folk and and whatever on this album but it just sits there as a kim mitchell album in the catalog and it's the only thing he's got besides the ep we're going to get to that as well um but it's the only full-length lp in the catalog that just has this uh this fairly pronounced and fairly you gotta mention it diversion of sound in it um and i checked out a lot of albums there's a lot of albums that have a diversion of sound that don't really feel like an asterisk uh album in this way so so yeah i guess the category here is more or less stylistic outliers and another one that i feel falls into this direction that we've always thought this way but it is part of the catalog normal is nazareth exercises so what nazareth did for their second album is they decided to make a really folky acoustic album for some reason. Well, I I know the reasons. I mean, they just thought it was kind of a good idea and they have no rules and all this and blah, blah, blah. But the first album's got some pretty rocky stuff on it. And then when they come back for Razamanaz, they're they're totally a hard rock band. Um, but it, it, it fits in the catalog still because the logo's there and all that. And, you know, it's a gatefold. It's on A&M. So it's, there's all these other reasons why it's not an outlier kind of thing but uh but yeah it definitely is that's one that i've always felt that way but you always include it you never really call it an outlier um ones to sort of propose you know maybe down this road but not really um you know remember when wasp and danzig made their industrial albums um you know they seemed very different but you know they kind of kept the look and the logo and the band and all that sort of stuff and and you you know you do include those you never talk about them another one though that definitely uh, drives people crazy is Aerosmith honking on Bobo. So here they are doing um, blues, uh, you know, basically making a blues album when they're when they're not really a um, you know they're they're a bluesy hard rock band and all this, but they're just doing this and a bunch of covers and all that kind of stuff. So it, and it came in this weird packaging. And you actually got a um, harmonica with it. Um, another one like this is um, well, this one fits in two categories, but I guess I'll mention it here. Anyways, is uh, is David Coverdale Restless Heart? So here you have a situation. Actually, just kind of more more fits into another category. I'll leave it for that one. Um, although let, let's mention this though. Um, well, okay, let's go into it. I mean, it it, it did come out as a David Coverdale and White Snake album because the label pre- pressured him to put the White Snake brand on it. They even pointed out in the um, in the um, contract that uh, it, what did it say? It said something like David Coverdale. 
uh, performing as Whitesnake or something like that. But the problem with this album is it, it really doesn't sound like a Whitesnake album. And David Coverdale, you know, didn't he wanted to put it out as a solo album because it doesn't sound like one. But then um, it so it came out with this quasi Whitesnake name. So do you include it? Do you not include it? Uh, and then later on, they even made a, a slightly more rocked up version of it, 25th anniversary version. So you've actually got two versions of this complicated album. Um, you know, other ones that kind of fall into this, remember when Michael Schenker did the Thank You albums, you know, Michael Schenker just even as a rule is confusing with Magali Schenker Group, Michael Schenker Group, um, you know, Michael Schenker Fest. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of a, a crazy as well. Um, let's see, what else do we got? Um, that's pretty much it uh, for, this, uh, for this category. Um, to remind you, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset and special offer to history in five songs with martin popoff listeners you can get 10 percent off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs that's better h-e-l-p dot com slash five songs thanks again to better help for sponsoring this episode hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. 
and we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right. Let's take a listen to our second selection here. This is Rainbow with Stand and Fight. Okay, so here's another way that bands have these asterisk albums. Um, And this one is a very pronounced one because basically you have this rainbow catalog, right? And then way up, you know, way up into, I guess it's 1995 after the last one being bent out of shape in 1983. They have this album that comes out. and it's it's under the moniker Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. So it's in a, in essence, it's the second Richie Blackmore's Rainbow album because that's that's what the first one was called, right? Um, but in between, there were all these Rainbow albums, and it has a very different sound, and it has a completely different lineup. So it just it just doesn't fit. It's a total Asterix album. Uh, on this front, you've got Soundgarden. You know, no no you know, no, no fault of theirs, but they, they had one outlier reunion album. Gamma four is very much like the, the rainbow situation. Um, but, uh, they had a, a very stable lineup. I mean, the lineup was totally legit. They even tried to even do the cover art thing with the title four and all that stuff, but it really didn't sound like a gamma album. Uh, it had a couple of really strong tracks on it. I'd say three, three and a half. And then the rest of it, it was kind of all over the place, just weird kind of rock and roll. There's kind of some jazzy stuff on there. It just really didn't feel like, um, you know, it belonged with Gamma 1, 2, and 3, which are all classics. Um, similar situation is Vandenberg 2020. So this is an asterisk album as well because it doesn't have... Um, uh, you know, Josh Zoomer and, and uh, Bert Herring and, you know, it's, it's not the lineup. It's got, uh, it's got, uh, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting his name. Romero, Richie Romero, um, Roger Romero, Richie, oh yeah, anyways, Ronnie Romero, that's it. Uh, you know, the singer who's been like on a whole bunch of different things, including being with Rainbow. So he's singing on it. So, it, so it's lacking that Vandenberg singer, although it's an amazing album. It's a really, really good classic hard rock album it's great um and you hope they make more but you somehow are skeptical that ronnie romero is even going to be on it right um so yeah they have this outlier way after you know the original they only made the three albums right and they all sound similar enough and they're they're all amazing classics and then this big outlier um and then uh you know coney hatch have an album called four which is an outlier in time but it's actually the the legitimate lineup and it actually sounds like old coney hatch so it's perfect the only the only thing missing there is that a whole pile of time has uh, has elapsed but this is another band they only had those three albums way way back then it's a little bit like the santer's situation right um, they had, well, they had a shelved album actually, uh, that came out in the box set. Uh, and funny, uh, you want to go the other way around. Uh, there are outlier albums in a catalog in an early way too. So 
all of the Pantera albums before uh, Cowboys from Hell kind of have an asterisk next to them. Asterisk next to them. See, I, I knew I'd finally do it, even though Phil's on one of them. But the point is, is that um, you know they're all indie released. They're all they 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 didn't lock onto this sound, so everybody kind of like puts a big wedge in the catalog. Quiet Riot's a little bit like that as well. You got the two with Randy Rhodes, which are really poppy. Then the big break, and then the the big breakthrough with Metal Health. Um, and even Crocus. Crocus has this odd, weird, strange old catalog of a few albums that don't sound like the other ones, and no one ever talks about them, and they totally have an asterisk next to them as well, because, you know, most of the, if you're going to rank the Crocus catalog, I mean, most people don't don't even want to talk about those, right? That's a funny thing about this whole business, is, is there's a whole lot of rankings and things I write about and don't write about based on, oh, I don't want to talk about all those, or I don't want to put them all down, or I don't want to, you know kind of put them in insincerely where do they go in the list and stuff uh you know Aussie's one like that right where where it's like you just think about ranking the Aussie catalog and all us Aussie fans are just get really bummed out thinking about it right um because it bothers us about kind of the you know the really manufactured direction of of the sound as it goes on uh okay so another one that's a that's a little bit like this um although now it's getting messy there's these different categories Rick Derringer, that whole thing always kind of bothered me. You got the Rick Derringer albums, which kind of sound like the Derringer band albums, more or less. They're a little mellower, right? Um, But then you get the Derringer albums, and they only make one and a live album and Sweet Evil. Sweet Evil's the heaviest and the coolest and all that stuff. But then they do uh, If uh, I Weren't So Romantic, I'd Shoot You, which I really love. I probably even like it more than Sweet Evil, but they leave the Derringer name on it. Rick does. Uh, but it's quite a different band and a different sound. And then they do Guitars and Women, which is, uh, he, he puts Rick Derringer back on it, and it really sounds... You know, it's really good, um, but it really sounds like if if I weren't so romantic, I'd shoot you. So, uh, okay, so let's move on to our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is, uh, I don't even know what the name of this band is. Uh, it's either Engve Malmsteen or Engve Malmsteen's Rising Force. Anyways, the song is Far Beyond the Sun. Okay, so the theme here is Outliers. There's that name problem, of course, but uh, but not really. Well, yeah, I guess there is, because later on they do become Ingve Malmsteen albums, and there's no real appreciable difference, right? But the theme here is you get these outlier albums that are like mostly instrumentals. There's just something weird about it. It's kind of like a step into the career. He's he's putting his his uh, big Swedish toe into the water, right? Uh, am I a solo artist? Am I not? Am I a shredder? Am I going to make guitar albums? Am I going to make vocal albums? Uh, who knows, right? So that's a problem with that one. Um, uh, Tim, Tim Durling brought up a good point. Um, Nova's Dream, he says, Nova's Dream by Aldenova. It's mostly instrumental with a few vocals, not many actual songs. And again, the packaging doesn't make it clear who it's by so is it an album question mark you know i've always thought um although I, on on closer examination it doesn't really bear out but i've i've always thought three of a perfect pair uh, was a bit of an outlier because it seemed more of an instrumental album than the pre it definitely is more than beat but i don't think it really is more than discipline but i've always felt that about that and then this band is so weird that the power to believe and construction of light 
almost feel like outliers too. But one that definitely, definitely, definitely fits this as an asterisk album that drives people crazy is Pink Floyd, The Endless River, right? So way up into the end of the career, they put out this album. The whole thing is like a like an instrumental, almost like a new agey thing. It's got the one vocal track on it, the big hit single and all that. Perfectly good song. Um, but yeah, I mean, just putting the Pink Floyd name on it just drives you nuts, right? Um, and, and they come up actually, well, I'll even mention it here, but they, they come up in one of the honorable mention things with the whole soundtrack album thing, right? So with the Moore album, you know, the whole idea of, well, when you make a soundtrack album, uh, how how soundtracky does it have to be that you don't even think of it as an album by the band? And then what are the silly words that are added to it? Man, think of, well, that's a, that's a live album, but I mean, think of the Deep Purple Live with the classical album in the old days. I mean, try to figure out the title of that thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, so Pink Floyd's got that as an outlier too. That more album, people like, ah, do you include it? Do you not include it? But it but it more or less is a Pink Floyd album more than a soundtrack album. Um, okay, so let's take a listen to our fourth selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Anderson, Bruford, Wakeman, Howe with Brother of Mine. We are heroes. We are dreamers of the big dreams. Someone told me. All right, so the theme here this time is um, in name only. Um, so, you know, you've got this, uh, I think Tim Derling uh, mentioned this one, so thank you, Tim. But basically, this is yes uh, with this big uh, unwieldy, uh, you know, accountant name. Um, and then yes, of course, also have another asterisk album in the Magnification album where they go, hey, let's record with an orchestra, but it's not exactly like a Metallica situation or Kiss where you record with orchestra. So those, you always say, oh, we can throw them in live album anyways. We don't have to deal with it for that reason. And then yes has the Union album with an which is an asterisk album because it's got too many band members in it, right? Um, so you think, oh, you know, that, is is it just kind of a little novelty thing? Like, what is the band? So you think, what is the band with Magnification as well and with uh, Anderson Bruford, uh, Wakeman Howe, right? Um, and then another one that always drove me nuts because I always want to mention it. Um, so I, I did mention it in my intro when I did this goldmine top, you know, all the UFO albums ranked. Uh, you know, UFO has the two Mog Way albums. UFO has. See, here I go. Uh, Way of the World, which is crap, and Chocolate Box, which literally would be my second favorite UFO album of all time. Shanker, Tonka era. Go play that thing. You will be blown away. Uh, that's got Jeff Coleman on guitar, but the rest of the band is completely legit. Uh, and it sounds like a UFO album. It's got the great Pete Way writing on it as well. It's an absolute masterpiece. I mean, on an objective level, you might even say it's the best UFO album of all time. So I wish that one would have come out with a UFO moniker on it. I don't see why it couldn't have. It actually has more of a legitimate lineup than the likes of High Stakes and Dangerous Men, maybe. Um you know, ain't ain't misbehaving EP and misdemeanor and, and, and all that stuff as well, right? Um, another one like this in name only was the whole Black Sabbath Seven Star situation. That was going to be a Tony Iommi solo album. Fine that it's as a Black Sabbath album, but it does say um, uh, uh, 
Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi. I think they used the word featuring in small letters. So that's always messy, right? Doesn't quite make it an asterisk album. We all consider it a Black Sabbath album, but it's very annoying. Um, I think uh, William Walker maybe mentioned this one. Paul Kantner and Jefferson Starship blows against the Empire. Uh, mentioned a lot of Frank Marino, Mahogany Rush. Kind of a good point there. Um, you know, is it Mahogany Rush? Is it Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush? Is it just Frank Marino? Um, because the Frank Marino albums kind of sound like Mahogany Rush albums anyways. Um, yeah, you get the whole uh, MSG, uh, you know, Schenker Barden acoustic project. Well, you mentioned that one. I thought of Travers Apathy, right? Um, so here's a situation where essentially those are good albums um, and they sound just as much like a Pat Travers band album as any of his recent stuff does. Um, boy, and that guy has a lot of outlier albums too and he's doing all those blues albums and things for Shrapnel, right? I forgot about that. So there's a whole bunch. If, if, if you go away and try to rank... Uh, the Pat Travers catalog, you, you, you know, with your fellow rankers, you will have that discussion. Ah, oh, do we include these blues albums? Well, you know, do, do they count and all that, right? So that happens with that guy. Funny story, Gillen, Naked Thunder, Ian Gillen, Naked Thunder. So, so I remember sitting in, in a, in an interview in a hotel room with Ian Gillen and I said, oh, we spent you know, our whole lives thinking, worrying, you know, what kind of a Gillen album is this? It doesn't sound like a Gillen album. It says Gillen on it. It's even got the Gillen logo. And I show it to him. He goes, oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. So it's like he, it, he didn't, it, it didn't fret him at all. It was just like another Ian Gillen album, I guess. But he didn't realize it actually looks like a Gillen album. So that was very annoying. A funny uh, metaphysical one, the Kiss solo albums, the four, uh, you know, solo albums put out at the same time in 78. Um, no one really ranks them as Kiss albums, but they're considered, you know, I think Wikipedia puts them in with the Kiss catalog because they say Kiss over to the left and their right or whatever, and then and then the name, and then obviously they got the uniform thing. But, um, okay, so nobody really thinks of them as Kiss albums, but the, the other weird thing about them is, does anybody really consider them part of the solo catalog either? They always feel like, ah, oh, they're, they're partitioned because they're way back in the seventies. They're all together. Uh, and then, and then some of these guys do, you know, Ace, Ace is kind of in there. Well, actually Peter's in there first, but, um, but, uh, yeah, well, there's outliers all over the place there too, right? Gene Simmons has, has one weird one. Paul Stanley has a short album. Do we call play to win even an album? It's, it's so close to an EP. Ace Frehley's got Frehley's Comet or Ace Frehley, right? Uh, you know, trouble walking right in there, right after Ace Frehley's Comet just seems to be whatever, right? Um, so yeah, they, they've got all sorts of asterisk albums, but it's funny how those first ones feel off to the side anyways. Um, and yeah, so this, this whole David Coverdale's white snake, snake bite, uh, situation. So, um, you know, I remember for us, the first album turned out to be that UK EP mixed with some David Coverdale solo artist, Northwinds songs, right? So the first album came out as David Coverdale's white snake called snake bite. Um, but it was a compilation and not even of real white snake stuff. And then really the first album is actually trouble, but I spent my whole life thinking troubles, the second album. Um, that's kind of how, how it all worked up. Um, you know, also in name only William Walker mentions, you know, the one lone Don Dawkin album up from the ashes at the time. Sounds like a Dawkin album. He mentioned how six ton budgie bothered him. That, that is a really good one, William, because, uh, you know, I tried to think of some other names like that. Um, and the only ones I can come up, come up with, like off the top of my head to mention were 
Oliver Dawson Saxon, right? So here you've got these, these you know, off-to-the-side Saxon albums. Now, we don't really include them in the Saxon catalog, but they, there they are, you know, kind of messing up the use of the name, right? And then you get that weird Leslie West has a solo album called Mountain, which sounds exactly like a mountain album, which, which you know, half the time people just just throw it in with the mountain albums because it essentially is the start of the the mountain sound and career, which is, you know, over and done with pretty quick, but it's essentially in there. Um, you know, I think, William you mentioned this one is too, when, when a band changes the name, their name, like uh, Bow Wow becomes Vow Wow. And I, I never liked that UK thing, Rathchild UK, Chameleons UK. Those aren't really Asterix albums, but another one is Harem Scarum becomes Rubber, right? So that's kind of a weird one. And another odd one that is a little bit of an Asterix or, you know, in the way that Asterix albums just put you in a bad mood because you have to explain something um, is this whole Judas Priest killing machine turns into hell bent for leather situation where they add a song they slightly change you know the color of the the you know the the text on the cover um and they're separated actually by some time, right? So you, you've actually got a 78 album for Killing Machine and you've got a 79 album for Hellbent for Leather. How annoying is that, right? Um, so yeah, you always have to mention that. You always have to say one or the other, say why you're saying one versus the other and, and explaining that, yes, I know there is the other one as well. So that happens all the time too, right? Quite annoying. Um, okay, so let's move on to our fifth selection. Take a listen to this. This is uh, Mud Honey with No One Has. Okay, so the story here with these Asterix albums is these absolutely pretty large and standalone and awesome EPs. Now, I know Pete Pete and I just did an episode uh, where, where we talked about this as well, but Super Fuzz Big Muff annoys me to no end because, you know, 1988, it's, I always say it's one of my favorite uh, top three um grunge documents i have to say document right um because it's not an album and and it goes with two other albums which would be green river rehab doll and nirvana bleach um so so that happens soundgarden has eps as well um but uh and then yeah how annoying is this so by 1990 it becomes super fuzz big muff plus early singles 12 tracks 43 minutes 39 seconds at at the at the original uh point it's six songs 22 minutes 25 seconds so you would never call it an album and then in 2008 it becomes a 32 track deluxe edition how crazy is that and on spotify of course you know you can't even tell any of this you can't see where it starts or ends they've actually mixed it all in it's almost like if you don't go to wiki or you don't know the original thing or own it you don't even know what's going on right um so yeah this has always uh, been sort of annoying and it annoys me that the greatest thing kim mitchell ever did was that first ep of five amazing amazing songs and when i say standalone ep of course we mean that those songs don't show up on the first album right um so so they are you know entities in their own right they just this frustratingly short thing pixies come on pilgrim same kind of thing it's got a whole pile of songs but they're all short it's their first thing but it's not really their first album but is it you know when i get the cd my cd 
combine Surfer Rosa with uh, Come On Pilgrim. Minutemen actually start their career off with two short albums. Uh, you know, their their shtick is they are they write these minute long songs. Um, so they got a whole pile of songs on them, but they do these two short albums and then they do double nickels on the dime, which is four sides. Each side is 20 minutes. Um, and then they did another thing that's an annoying asterisk album, Minute Flag. So when you do an album with another band, oh, that drives me nuts, right? You don't know where to file it. You don't know how to rank it, where to put it. What is this thing? Is it a full-length album? Is it two EPs smushed together? Uh, so they did Minute Flag with Black Flag. Queens of the Stone Age did one with Caius. Remember, there's a, what was it, Enslaved and... Uh, enslaved and who enthroned maybe uh i i think you know that so the black metal guys did that as well probably just to tick us off more because they were angry um but yeah that's another thing um you know and moving slightly forward out of eps that ted nugent album the music made me do it always drove me nuts oh man in in fact i facebook i sent an angry message to the to the drummer he was he was you know we i guess we we're facebook friends or something i said when ted does his next album make sure it's not just this just kind of this joke right um because you know i i loved uh love grenade and crave man and then uh um uh, shut up and uh, shut up and jam right um was good, um, but it but it it was shorter and a little more jokey, but it still was good, right? Um, but then this one, it's got ten songs. It's not long. It's got sunrise, and then it's got sunrise uh, Fender bass solo. It's got Fred Bear acoustic, so an old song that I don't even like done acoustic, and then some you know jokey stuff, right? Backstrap fever. I just want to go hunting. I love you too much, baby. Big fun, dirty groove noise. You just look at these titles and you know they're and the title track was good, but this literally had this was literally his like diver down. It had something like three legitimate songs on it. Drove me nuts. Bit of a bit of a you know recovery to the to the new album, Detroit, whatever it's called. Um but so that's that's actually a recovery. But but this was uh this I I just refused to take this seriously. He basically kind of like just did a jokey album. That's that's kind of what happened there. Um, all right. So honorable mentions. Um, yeah, we've got the uh, the partially live, partially studio material. Thanks again, William, for some of these ideas. Mountain Flowers of Evil, Kiss Alive Two. That one drives us all crazy, right? It's got a whole legitimate side of excellent Kiss, uh, and then but you can't really put it in a ranking of the studio albums. Um, you know, the same title, different tracks situation you get with ACDC High Voltage and then a few different tracks. So that always bothers you a little. Oh, which version are you talking about? Uh, soundtrack albums. Um, uh, Tim mentioned Journey have an oddball one from 1980 called Dream After Dream. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, he says, uh, <laughs> yeah, Dream... Uh, dream after whatever it's quasi soundtrack to a japanese film mostly instrumental only three vocal tracks and of those only one that sounds like them um you know queen flash gordon's another example of that peter gabriel passion of christ birdie then he does scratch my back and remixes and covers and gets this orchestra and so none of that stuff we you know we just did a, a peter gabriel ranking with uh, guitar hack and pete pardo on on hacks channel um Things like uh, re-recordings of your old songs. Do you count that? Diamond Head 2020. Um, Queen Maiden Heaven. What a weird situation that is. A posthumous sort of like funeral album, uh, which doesn't sound at all like a Queen album. It's really quite bad. 
Um, you don't want to say it's bad, but it is. But Cheap Trick, you know, talk about the covers album. They do a Sgt. Pepper's uh, album, uh, whole thing. Um, compilation, compilations with origin, original material on them. Lucifer's Friend Awakening, Kiss Killers, right? You get all those extra songs. Led Zeppelin Coda's always one that's an asterisk album. Like, where do you put that? It's a posthumous uh, it's not a greatest hits, but it's it's songs we didn't get before, essentially. Um, and, um, you know, uh, but it but it's old material. But then Led Zeppelin did that anyways. They mixed up songs, you know, but they didn't really. So really, this is the one outlier album, but you usually include it in the in the rankings. A lot of people do. Yeah, the full covers albums, Angve Inspiration, um, you know, UFO. How annoying is it that this great band UFO with this, you know, 50 year history ends their career with a bad covers album oh that's very very annoying and then they've got the ain't misbehaving ep which is another one of these long standalone eps um you know uh when you mentioned concept albums from bands that don't typically do them i don't really feel those are are asterisk albums uh particularly um that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, that's all I, I would say um, in in terms of that. So yeah, that was a, that was a rundown of every way a band can make a a mess, a blurry, a gray area thing at the fringe with uh, is this a proper studio album or not? Um, let me know in the in the comments if if you uh, have any other examples of other ways uh, these bands tick you off with this and how you have to have that conversation about ranking. Um, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to Co fee rhymes with no fee.com slash martin popoff hit that red support button buy me a coffee or a pint this was a a record week and uh obviously for a reason people were very generous um with the whole thing with it being my birthday and the 200th episode and all that stuff and the other thing that i wove into that episode um but yeah this week i would like to thank brian balich uh, david barsky very generous thank you david joe becht bel air expediting andy at black sugar transmission uh transmission mark briotti jag panzer June 23rd, new album, The Hallowed. Uh, first single, you can go hear that right now. Uh, Onward We Toil. Solid, solid American meat and potatoes power metal uh, from these guys out of Colorado. Um, but yeah, a bit of a concept album as well, which is kind of cool based on the comic book thing. Uh, Lee Clifford, David Fisher, Nicholas Gillespie, Jonathan Jordan, Jamie Laszlo, John Lilly, Andrew Meyer, Monty Olson, Augustin Garcia de Paredes. Again, very, very generous, Augustin. Thank you very much. Steve Polary, Rick Ritzler, Robot Lords of Tokyo. I, I, I hope you've seen that I've been wearing my uh, Whiskey Blood and Napalm shirt every once in a while. Uh, and John Stuckey. So thank you all very much. Um, it's been busy over here with the books. Pretty much everything's... I, I got a big shipment from the UK. I got the uh, the ACDCs back in stock. The Pink Floyd that I completely ran out of. They ran out of. The whole print ran, ran out of. So the Dark Side of the Moon 50th anniversary book. I just got 24 copies of that in. Um, so I will be signing and shipping those out. MartinPopoff.com um, And yeah, check us out on the Contrarians as well. Uh, so lots of new stuff going on there. And uh Wow, there you go. Um, Hope uh, this episode didn't tick you off with these asterisk albums. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 